Chapter Thirteen of For Fifteen Years by Louis Albach, translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen: After and Before a Storm. The day after this scene, so carefully and skillfully prearranged by the widow of Jean Mortier, it seemed as if a great hush had fallen on all those in the Chateau de Helupois as wind when rain begins sometimes ceases for a moment while the rain bends and breaks down some things that are growing while others drink in the welcome shower which sends refreshment through their veins roger and florence were beaming with happiness their sudden benediction from monsieur de monterey which they could not understand which they had never expected for they had made up their minds that the utmost they could hope was that he would not forbid them to love each other seemed to them a perfect overflow of grace and goodness these young people in a burst of filial feeling were glad to open out their hearts still more to love by loving their father all the next day was passed by them in absolute repose unbroken even by dreams when the delicate natures stand on the threshold of great happiness they pause they prepare themselves as christians do for holy communion by communing in silence with their own hearts and lovely dreams of future happiness flutter low over their heads with poised and outstretched wings preparing for higher flights into the blue heavens roger and florence never had talked of love together but to-day they shunned even their usual intimacy it seemed delightful to them to have nothing more to say about their relations to each other they were busy installing themselves in the white parlor for roger's stay at the chateau might now be prolonged roger opened his color box and put it in order florence brought out a piece of work she had laid aside the last time roger left them nothing was said about the various papers and documents that florence had promised on that day it was tacitly agreed between them that the sad investigation should stand over a few hours if they were to find out in the end that they were to be disappointed this episode of rest and happiness would give them strength to bear the blow they went here and there through the chateau and the garden he looking as if a smile and song were blended on his lips florence busy and bright scattering gaiety through the house wherever her light laughs were heard gabrielle watched them both with anxiety she was disposed to keep out of their way she was afraid she might be tempted to caress them too eagerly to seize upon them every time she met them with a passionate embrace she shuddered lest in her excitement her great delight and happiness should frighten them she was afraid that roger might divine how keen had been her anguish when she had implored him not to leave her by her great joy now that he was to remain at home and in her scrupulous conscientiousness she dreaded to appear to bribe florence to take part with her by lavishing upon her too many caresses or by too much show of maternal feeling yet at the bottom of her drought of happiness there was a lurking drop of gall gabrielle was all the time thinking of the confession of her husband gaston had really told her very little about his crime but he had given her sad glimpses into his perverted state of mind and feeling she was almost angry with him for the kind of excuses he had brought forward for himself in telling his story and she was disgusted by the ready hardihood 
with which he had subsequently played the part she had assigned him she would rather have seen him bowed down beneath the shame of his confession which would have given her hope that he might rise again she would rather have found him less apt at dissimulation when i say she was disgusted with gaston or even displeased with him i do her wrong she was more inclined to blame herself to blame herself for the past she thought she had not kept a watch long enough or strong enough over so weak a nature she remembered with remorse how the old man his father had put his son into her hands and how she had then promised to make a good man of him alas had she set about this rightly had she not when the delicious duties of motherhood became hers neglected her other duties as a wife and guardian she could not blame roger personally for being the cause of his father's degradation but she ardently desired that he might be the means of redeeming what was yet redeemable in his father's nature he might stimulate him she thought to more active more generous remorse by showing him how highly he thought of honour by the spectacle of his happiness by sympathy in his aspirations for assuredly roger now would become a great artist he might lead his father to the recognition of an ideal he had long lost sight of and she might finish her remaining pilgrimage with resignation she had already decided to go into lifelong exile with her husband to resign voluntarily the happiness of seeing around her a new family since as florence would have married roger in ignorance of their real relations her own share of the family happiness would not be fairly won she gladly saw roger and florence making their preparations to settle down in the white parlor as long as her son remained at home she thought he could not be exposed to the dangers of that fatal curiosity which she now thought she had overcome poor woman she never suspected that the canvas on the easel the sheet of drawing-paper on the desk were put there only to screen the real employment of these young people as for emilienne if she could have been angry with her daughter she would have attributed to that feeling the feverish anxiety which now tortured her and which seemed stronger even than her maternal love she felt that florence was a sort of shield that madame de monterey was gently drawing before her breast to protect not only herself but her husband she was tempted to interfere at any cost to withdraw her daughter to tell her why she hated this unhappy family to raise between her and roger the horror of a vengeance to be accomplished before it would be possible to write her father's memory but then she was not positively certain of the truth and to raise suspicion without proof would be unjust and cruel and while endeavouring to inflict suffering on those under whose roof she dwelt she herself would be bringing down sorrow on the head of her own child should she question florence no florence would simply answer that she was very happy that the dream of her life was about to be realized a dream that no one had ever told her she must not indulge all she could do it seemed was to watch more sharply over the two young people whom madame de monterey and her husband were using in their own defence who in fact were to be made happy as a sort of speculation at the same time she dared not appear to suffer therefore hiding her disquietude but yet more agitated than she had ever been during her residence at Houpois, 
she watched her daughter with anxious tenderness every moment in the day she said little to her but she kept looking at her with a forced smile and several times as she passed her she pressed her hand to see if it were feverish gaston seemed bent on keeping up his role and playing his part better than the day before when he got up he went over to the slate quarry and stayed there till luncheon talking to the men at work who hardly knew him playing the part of a kind master and all through the meal he kept telling of his morning's walk and of his inspection of the workmen he addressed his son with a strange sort of deference almost obsequious in its caressing tone he consulted florence and asked the opinion of madame emilienne but not once did he speak to his wife his eyes which wandered everywhere else would not meet the eyes of gabrielle and she generally so attentive in making suitable replies when he was talking and always ready to take up the threads of his discourse whenever afraid of saying too much he broke off his sentences now let him talk on as he pleased and seemed to feel no further anxiety as to what might escape him in the flux of words the usually attentive wife now appeared to give little heed to the words that flowed from her husband as if she no longer dreaded his compromising himself gaston was pale as usual but his pallor was not so transparent it seemed less on the surface more in the skin and the nervous trembling he was subject to was if not less at least better under his control what can have happened again asked madame emilienne of herself the extraordinary the almost monstrous alliance between gaston and gabrielle less real however than it seemed astonished her she felt that fear must be the bond that drew them together and not sympathy she was sure that each of them was repugnant to the other jean mortier's widow's consciousness of this alarmed her it seemed to open for her a new hope and yet she could hardly contain herself for anger if they do not betray themselves the young people will do it for them she thought and that thought was keen and true and went right to the heart of the situation gabrielle that evening wrote in her journal gaston has confessed it all to me i have not given him absolution i could not even promise it to him down in the depths of his heart where it seemed to me he let me look i saw a bitter feeling against me in the past a resentment against me that i had not suspected his repentance is as painful to me as his crime his fate and mine are in our children's hands my god lift up those pure hands in intercession for the guilty increase their love and happiness in each other make them forget us in themselves let them not notice how we suffer if they suspected it they would try to comfort us to make things better for us and they would put the last stroke to our misery for in their ignorance they would ruin themselves the blow from their hand which would destroy us would be fatal to their own future during the night that succeeded this day of plots and counterplots madame emilienne could not sleep for fifteen years she had never slept unless she did so by force of will knowing that she must sleep if she would keep up and increase her strength but this night she lay awake voluntarily that in solitude and darkness she might think over her anxieties 
perhaps in the silence of night she thought she might hit on some solution of the problem of the situation florence's room opened out of her mother's generally they left the door open between their chambers so as to be able to talk till sleep came to the young girl and if she awoke early they talked in the early morning after the brief good-night that they exchanged that evening they hardly were conscious of its unusual brevity amelia put out the light in her chamber hoping to persuade her daughter that she had gone to sleep while florence who had no need of a candle to see her visions did as her mother did but slept no more than she several times during the night the mother fancied that her daughter was lying awake a sigh or a silence more profound than that of sleep betrayed to her maternal instinct that florence was still waking yet remembering how beaming had been her daughter's face during the day Emilienne was not anxious she only grew more sad as she thought how joyously her child's soul was soaring into the realms of bliss while her mother was darkening and debasing her own spirit by grovelling in the gloom that lay before her her heart softened she asked herself if she might not suffer the dark cloud that now threatened the happiness of her child to pass away if heaven might not smile upon her if she had courage enough to join monsieur and madame de monterey in drawing a veil over the terrible past courage to keep her suspicions to herself courage to take a vow always to keep silent and sacrificing her duty as a widow to her duty to her child find courage to be false to that innocent man whose wrongs cried out for vengeance in favor of that other innocent whom her vengeance would make a victim in the darkness of the night Emilienne turned her eyes to a closet near the door of the next chamber it was here that she kept all the relics of her days of married happiness in other words her days of poverty and also the papers on which she had written notes she passed several hours of that night turning over in her mind the contents of that closet spreading them mentally out before her reading over again the printed accounts of the trial and what she had written on the margins of these records if she had not been afraid of disturbing florence who she thought was lying awake she would have lighted her candle gone over these documents and studied them once again it seemed to her that that night all her faculties were more wide awake than usual and that another examination of these documents might enable her to make up her mind conclusively and terminate her irresolution toward morning when a first ray of daylight came filtering through the muslin curtains at her window slipping into the room between the opening madame Emilian never shut her shutters living always on the watch indoors and out she heard florence get out of bed she sat up alarmed was florence ill was she coming into her mother's bed tired of wakefulness and would she open all her heart to her and perhaps mingle her tears with her own poor little thing said emilienne with a beating heart she had not time to rise and go to meet her daughter florence was already in her chamber she was standing on the threshold framed by the woodwork of the door the pale blue light which was beginning to enter the room seemed to make a sort of milky atmosphere around florence who stood there as it were in fleecy whiteness the picture was so charming that emilienne reassured let her head drop back on the pillow half closed her eyes and watched her daughter with her admiration and curiosity in the soft light of dawn she could see the bright light of her daughter's smile 
florence came into the room walking very cautiously her bare feet felt their way before they made each step upon the polished floor her hair hung down upon her shoulders making a dark background to her face which had an apprehensive expression like a child's she held her nightdress closely over her bosom with one hand the other was stretched out before her she stood two moments on the threshold listening she wanted to make sure that her mother was fast asleep madame emilienne took care to let her breath come regularly and the young girl convinced that all was safe went straight to the closet and opened it there she felt round laid her hand on the packet of newspapers took it up shut the closet door quietly and pressing to her bosom like psyche the treasure which was to bring her life or death walked smiling backward a little way that she might not seem to herself to be taking flight like an ordinary robber looking all the time at her mother who slowly opened her eyes as her child went away from her farther and farther she re-entered her own chamber before she quite disappeared she blew a kiss in the direction of her mother it was a gesture that meant triumph and entreaty a gesture of promise and of affection florence by that kiss made a vow that she would lighten her mother's sorrows she was assuring her that she had now two children linked by the same belief working toward the same end inspired by the same filial tenderness emilian did not wholly understand why florence had taken possession of these papers but she vaguely suspected something of the truth she had no fear that her daughter had taken them to destroy them or to give them over to her enemies under the pressure of madame de monterey's persuasions oh god she cried becoming pious all at once for pious she had been in days gone by bless her even as i bless her having whispered this prayer to the pillow on which she had shed so many tears she began to weep more softly when the hour came to rise emilian did not get up as usual she let florence dress first she guessed that her daughter whom she heard dressing herself quickly was anxious to get downstairs she made believe that she was lazy sleepy and too tired to get out of bed when florence was dressed she came in for her good-morning kiss and was surprised and pleased to find that her mother had not risen did you sleep badly she asked though she was not very much alarmed the dark shadows round her sparkling eyes would have told her mother that she had not slept if emilian had not known it already emilian did not pity her for her wakefulness nor did she allude to her own i had a lovely dream she said gently so had i replied florence i wish i could have mine over again said emilienne i will soon give you a better one said the young girl they asked each other no further questions they did not offer to exchange their dreams florence went back to her own chamber she had now to carry off her plunder and to give it up to him who was expecting it and her she pushed her door to lightly but did not shut it close for her mother could not see her as she went out through another door that opened above the staircase on the landing as soon as emilienne heard her daughter leave her chamber she got up and went to the window roger had been up as soon as florence earlier indeed he was in that part of the garden that separated the two detached portions of the house walking round the little raised flower-bed in the centre concealed by the window curtain which she peeped through with precaution emilienne saw her daughter go straight up to roger 
they exchanged only a few words their eyes spoke to each other their lips breathed kisses on the unconscious air the young girl held out the packet of papers nodding his head with a triumphant air roger took possession of them and carried them off into the white parlor florence did not accompany him she stood wistfully a few moments looking after him then moved by strong emotion she went slowly down the garden path possibly praying as she walked on alone emilienne drew back from her window trembling so much that she was forced to sit down she was astonished at her own feelings were they born of hope or fear was it only her amazement at the wonderful fearful unforeseen intervention of roger in this inquiry was he to discover the truth for her at a risk which he could not foresee of proving that his own father was the criminal End of chapter 13